1: Hey, yo, welcome into the CHGO White Sox post game show presented by PointsBet. Use promo code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk-free bets up to $2,000. Welcome into Studio B of our CHGO offices here in the West Loop of Chicago. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. I'm the host of the CHGO White Sox podcast, and you can follow me on... Or, you can follow me on Twitter at sean underscore w underscore anderson. Uh, alongside me, as always, is Herb Lawrence. Hello. You can follow him on Twitter at Ecknerwall23. He is the CHGO White Sox community leader. We are joining you for some reason in Studio B. You know, we're the team that has seventy three wins. The other team, I get it. They beat the Mets the and Mets they're good. And but, Jacob Degrom. I mean, we get Studio B. Anyways, we're coming to after a White Sox hold it win. The White Sox win their 73rd game of the 2022 season. They improved to 73 and 69 on the year. They are still three games back on the uh, Cleveland Guardians. Did you say nice, Steven? Okay, thank you. Uh thank you, <laughs> Peanut Gallery. Um, the White Sox are still three games back of the Guardians, who won tonight, uh, defeating. The Angels three to one uh, in Cleveland. Uh, the Guardians are at seventy-five and sixty-five. socks again, three games back, uh, but they're seven and three in their last ten. But so are the Guardians, and the Guardians have won
2: five straight. Herb, how you feeling after this one? Feeling good. I mean, another pitcher comes in here where he has an inflated ERA, six plus ERA for Chad Cool, and the White Sox get to him early. I mean, the first hit was cracked by Elvis Sanders for a double then i don't know if it was joan doing it himself or was asked to bunts and maybe he was bunting for a hit gets out so you're giving out a up and out with a guy who is a left-handed hitter who can probably hit that way as he's mostly shifted that way and advance the runner with a productive out i didn't like that and then you subsequently see aloy continue being aloy very hot right now with that rocket home run he hit off of Chad cool i thought that was going to continue but you know the offense did not uh put a more runs against Chad cool he went a smooth cool six and I think a third with only giving up those three earned runs. Yeah, and I was told to not go to
1: the starting pitching uh, graphic because Steven was making it right now.
2: Um, Well, no, I
1: mean, uh, you know, maybe it's a race against time. I mean, Steven, like what? Can we get it done in the next 10 seconds? No. Okay, I'm I'm just kidding. Uh, Let's go through the scoring. No, I'm kidding. Let's go through the scoring recap (laughs) uh, because in the first inning, the White Sox got out to it and after it uh, real quickly, a three-run homer by Aloy Jimenez. As you said, uh, Andrews doubled, and it's been so fun watching Elvis Andrews play with the White Sox. They showed a a graphic right before for the game uh, since August 31st, the OPS for White Sox players. Elvis Andres has an OPS since August 31st of over 1,000. Um, he's been fantastic. Mm. I hate the, the sacrifice bunt, but at this point in the season where this team is, being three games back, it worked. They won. I don't care. I mean, I, I honestly I mean, don't care. If they win every game one to nothing and it's only by bunts and they only bunt every every single 27 batters, they, all, all they do is go up and bunt. Um, I, I don't care. I mean, like, honestly, as long as you win games at this point, uh, it, it doesn't matter. I mean, if you're hitting home runs, which they did tonight, um, I, I won't be upset. If you aren't, you know, I won't be upset. It's it's just win, baby.
2: You know, it's, it's, it's the uh, Al Davis approach to it. I mean, I get what you're saying, but I always want to go back. And say when people tell you, and when they tell you next year, in April, it's early. They lose a game like they lost opening day. These are the things that now you're chasing wins. That you have to just win games no matter what. So that's what I'm talking about. It's never too early. This intensity the White Sox are playing with, this urgency, should be from the beginning of the year. So you don't have to do all this stuff right now. And this is why you're probably going to get yourself out of what you really want to do. The process that is correct. So I get what you're saying because wins are paramount, but they should have had this urgency early in the year, so they could have not had so much urgency now. They could have relaxed. The Dodgers are relaxed and they're chilling. They're cooling because they've wrapped up everything for for the most part. Well, now the White Sox are going to be sweating out the last what twenty plus games here. Because they didn't do their work early, right? No, they're I mean, Herb Lawrence in high school. <laughs> Amen
1: to that. Uh, yeah, twenty more games, uh, and the White Sox need to make every single one of those count. Uh, being three games back of the Guardians, uh, and you're right. I mean, I mean, we could just look back at the eight game losing streak they had in April, and just the lack of urgency that they had in those games. And now there's the uh, whole talk of the rumor, or not the rumor, but just the talk of of you know Miguel Cairo gave him basically the same speech Tony's been giving him, but with a different tone. It's like, okay, Mm -hmm. like the words are still the same guys go out there and fucking hit the ball. Like, you know, it's not different. Uh, The white Sox won tonight because they hit home runs. Uh, The Moncada bunting really didn't matter because Jose Abreu uh, had a nice uh, three, two walk. And then Aloy Jimenez drove in the both of them with a nice home run. He stays hot. He's been fun to watch. Uh, I'm a simple guy. Ball goes far. Team goes far. Thank you, Rick. Uh, We did hear from Rick Hahn and we'll hear from Vinny Duber a little bit later on in the show about what Rick Hahn had to say. Uh, But yeah, Funny enough, uh, Rick Khan finally makes his first appearance since the uh, the trade deadline, and uh, the White Sox win with two home runs, with the ball going far, and the team that he believed in so much not to add at the trade deadline, uh, getting another win. Uh, at this point, you know, with 20 games left, being three games back, how do you feel about the Sox's actual chance at this division? Are you feeling, you know, just here we go, and let's, you know, we're strapped in, ready to take off, and just
2: you know, be on this ride, or you know, are you are you feeling just kind of down about it i'm feeling down because of multiple things cleveland guardians are playing well right now they're not as they were in the funk where they're playing the mariners like seven games out of ten um and the fact that they didn't change the pitchers for tomorrow so it's still dylan sees tomorrow afternoon versus these colorado rockies i say you should beat the colorado rockies no matter which pitcher you have out there especially if you're at the crib the games versus Cleveland matter more. They have to matter more because of the tiebreaker rule that MLB has instituted. There's no more 163 anymore. It's just if you have the same record at the end of the year, they'll look back at your head-to-head record. Right now, the Cleveland Guardians have a 9-6 to lead on the White Sox going head-to-head. So that means in the four remaining games, the White Sox have to win them all. If they end up with the same record at the end of the year, the White Sox would have the tiebreak against the Cleveland Guardians. So knowing that game means more, theoretically, like it's a bigger game. Like it used to be no weighted wins. But now that they've instituted this, these are weighted wins and weighted losses. The Cleveland Guardians win on Thursday. That's pretty much it. They'll have a lead and they'll have the season series lead. So the White Sox have to actually overcome the Cleveland Guardians, not just tie them on the record. And remember, the Cleveland Guardians have six games at home to end their season versus these Kansas City Royals, who almost got no hit today by the Minnesota Twins. That's the weird-ass Minnesota Twins. That's Sorry. true.
1: Well, you're all good. Uh, and, I mean, just looking at the Sox and uh, Guardians' uh, season, or schedule to end out the season, uh, they basically have the same strength of schedule to end the year. Um Sox have three against the Padres, four against the Guardians, six against the Twins. Cleveland has three against the Rays, four against the Sox, five against the Twins. Sox have six more against the Tigers, which, I guess, six against the Royals. I'd rather have six against the Tigers. So, you know, you look at that. But the Guardians are have six against the Royals to close out their their season. Then they have one more against the Angels. Sox have one more against the Rockies. And then the Cleveland Guardians have three more against the Rangers. So, I guess, you know, you get the better of the Tigers and Royals you don't have to play 6 against the Royals you don't have to play 6 against the Tigers but uh you have to play 3 against the Padres or the Guardians have to play 3 against Texas um you know maybe
2: Texas can play Spoilers I'm not sure how do you feel about that Not feeling good about that I'm just thinking that the White Sox pretty much have to win out like they have very little room for air right here they and I saw this thing the, the Rockies are terrible Lynn could probably breathe and beat them like Lynn that's the pitcher we're using on the White Sox Lance Lynn's been dealing out here, Sox apps. I get what you're saying. The ERA doesn't look great, but he's been dealing. He's probably our second best pitcher going down the stretch right now. I would, you know, it'll be a coin toss well, between him and Cueto, who I'm pitching on the you, second game.
1: You mentioned Thursday's game. There was the report that it's likely Lance Lynn will pitch on that. You, okay. You're 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 fine with that. You you don't like that. You'd rather see Cease. So I mean, what's your feelings?
2: I would rather have your best against them, and I know that the White Sox will the next week play the guardians again. And you want cease during that series too, but give them, they dodge cease in this game that we had to be made up the first time because their field wouldn't drain correctly. And so I don't want them to dodge him again. I want them to get the full flavor of the white Sox, And I think it's Tristan McKenzie, a tough pitcher on their end. So you need to match fire with fire and try to beat them. And I think in that series, it was going to be cease versus, um uh, at the end of the series, so this is the the year right here. Thursday afternoon in Cleveland will determine a lot of things going forward. If the Cleveland Guardians win, it's going to be really hard for the White Sox to overcome them, especially with the lead there in the Central and then the uh, season series win.
1: Well, and Lance Lynn too, I mean, maybe the thought process is that he's just been good against the Guardians. Uh, he wasn't good in the first uh, start he made against the Guardians uh, back on July 11th, giving up nine hits and eight earned runs. But in the past two starts against the Guardians on July 23rd and August 19th, he had six innings, three hurts, three, three hits, no earned runs, one walk, six strikeouts. And then on the 19th, five and two thirds, five hits, uh, one earned run, one walk, and six K. So maybe it's just past performance. Uh, because Dylan has been all right against the, the the Guardians, he he hasn't been extremely dominant, and maybe the thought process is that they could load up on lefties, so with maybe they'd be able to neutralize a little bit. Like I, I'm just trying to think of what the process could be because Jimenez hits uh, uh, uh righties well, um obviously J Ram does, so maybe the addition of Lance Lynn's curveball and the fact that he has five pitches. Maybe they just like that against a team that really doesn't have a lot of
2: power. Soxaps brings up a reason. Uh, someone noted that Cease will actually now get to pitch in five games instead of the four if he pitches tomorrow. So there is that. I mean, I'd rather see I mean, theoretically, five times than four. Theoretically, I mean, they're not going to hold. If the last game of the season versus Minnesota was on the line and Dylan Cease only got three days rest of rest instead of four, they're putting him on the bump right
1: yeah I, I, so but I mean five more games I mean the White Sox are what I think like 18 and six when Dylan Cease starts so uh, I mean I'd rather have five starts than four so uh, all right I, we'll, well hopefully that ends up happening uh, and the White Sox can 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 make something out of it uh, Dylan Cease will start tomorrow against Kyle Freeland uh, we had some stats earlier on uh, in the pregame show about what Kyle Freeland and Chad Cool uh, have done obviously the White Sox didn't Annihilate Chad Cool. Like we said, they had the homer in the first inning off Chad Cool, but they did enough. Uh, three earned runs was enough to win this game. Rockies only scored two, um, and since July, I think it was like 127 innings for Chad Cool and Kyle Freeland. Um, and they have an ERA of 7.05. Freeland's the better of the two, but. I'm still expecting the Sox to handle the business tomorrow. I understand Freeland, uh, you know, is, is a guy that is, you know, one of those below average middling guys, but he's a left-hander, so AJ Pollock should eat. I mean, Jose Abreu coming out, he hit a homer today. Aloy's been hitting, so uh, he hit another homer. Andrew Vaughn. I mean, this should be a game that the White Sox should win, even though I know White Sox fans don't feel super great about or I thought Giolito was pitching tomorrow. Uh, I mean, especially with your ace on the mound, I mean, like, this this should be a dusting, as we say. It's not a sweep because it's not three games, but it should be a dusting because it's two games.
2: And you saw them out there today. There was really nothing that scares you about these Colorado Rockies. You've heard of Charlie Blackman. But it's the the ghost of Charlie Blackman out there playing for them. And C- C.J. Crone, power, good, he's awesome. But that's about it. And then the guy who hit the home run, uh, for, uh, not Daza, was it? Was it? Uh, uh, it was at the end of the their lineup. Just got a, his uh, first one. Just got a hanging curveball or slider. Trejo, and Trejo, Trejo. So the short the shortstop just got a hanging slider, a curveball up in the zone, and he put his bat to the ball, hit it out. I thought it was not that bad of a pitch, but you know Trejo put bat to ball and put the barrel on it and got out in left field. So well, and there's
1: nothing there that's great. DNV uh, Rockies uh, pulling a Herb Lawrence and they tweeted out Alan Ray Trejo, um, <laughs> tweeting out the full name for uh, for Alan. <laughs> uh, so shout out to to them for that one. Clever. Uh, Rockies like it. are 61 and 81 like it. Uh, on the year. Uh, and, and they really haven't been uh, too much of a foe for the Sox. Uh, I just think back again to that second game uh, in Colorado. It was more Oof. the White Sox beating themselves because uh, the White Sox should have had another win uh, against the Rockies back then. Uh, that one, I think, was a part of the other 42. So we can go to this graphic, Stephen, and then we'll talk about the pitchers. Uh, it was back on August or July 27th, uh, the White Sox lost 6-5. to five. That was the 30th game of the other 42. As Hawkaroo used to say, "There's uh, you win 60, you lose 60, it's the other 42. The count. Uh, the White Sox currently have 53 of those 60 wins, 51 of those 60 losses, and they are 20 and 18 in their other 42. This was an easy win for the Sox, going 4 and 2. An insurance home run from Jose Abreu in the eighth inning, and I love it mainly because I won money off of it. Heard at plus 425 on points bet, uh, turned ten dollars into fifty two you love to see it
2: that's real nice I know you had a multiple bets working against each other but you would much rather <laughs> have the uh, Jose Abreu home run there in the eighth inning tonight versus my cousin Justin Lawrence he is the second it said the second only uh extra base hit from a right-hander off of Justin Lawrence who's been filthy this year and so Jose Abreu has something to talk about there and uh, what second game in a row we hit a home run too yeah uh no uh not second game. Oh uh, no! the
1: first game he's hit one since the first game. Yeah, first first home uh, game he hit a home run since uh, August, August 3rd. That's third. That's what made um, it
2: so impressive for you to have that call and yeah, say it in pregame. Well,
1: yeah. So can we go to that clip? We got a clip from absolutely, pregame. Um, Herb, you know I, that was my click to pick. Uh, I'm absolutely going to take the uh, victory lap on this. Who'd you Should. pick? I picked Luis Robert. Okay, you picked Luis Robert. Who? Hey, I mean, he did click because his hand was looking all right. Um, it seemed like he was doing all right with the swings. The wrist looked healthy-ish. Doctor Herb,
2: Uh yeah, it looked okay. Looked much better. It looked better than <laughs> um than before. It, I saw very little grimacing, very little one-handed swings. I know you saw one in the second uh, at bat, but. His first swing was 103 off the bat, with the second one was 100 off the bat. So he can still generate power and generate uh, some exit velocity, and that's good. It's As long as it's not hurting him, like it was obviously hurting him in Baltimore and obviously hurting him last week.
1: It definitely uh, you know looked a little bit better. But uh, let's go to my pregame call and uh, what I had to say about Jose Abreu, because uh, Alex Root, who said, love y'all, a little bit earlier. Love him, too. Um, I, I used to make these full-screen sc- uh, gr- uh, jinxes. Uh, And I think I did that with Jose Abreu uh, in the pregame show. Uh, Here's Jose Abreu since August 4th. I saw some of this discussion online. We have a little bit... Uh, before this game starts. 158 plate appearances for uh, Jose uh, since August 4th. 47 hits, uh, but only six doubles, no triples, no homers, 11 RBIs, 10 walks, 33 strikeouts. He's slashing 331, 386, and slugging 376. Are you worried about Jose? I think he bounces back, hits one of these homers. Uh, We can kind of see that he's trading away that power um, and and looking just to get on base uh, for this team, and it's been working. Uh, I, I think that this team, especially you know, the way they've loosened up a bit. I think Jose is going to loosen up a bit, maybe start cracking over some homers. Um, He's been making contact. I'm not worried about him. Um, And I saw some, you know, dialogue today about these numbers and the fact that he doesn't have a homer since August 4th um, and, and some hot takes like Jose's washed. Like, Jose is doing whatever he can right now to help this team, and I think that he will turn it around. I think tonight is a perfect day to do that. Clap, clap, clap. Look at Sean. Hey, baby. You know, I mean, Nostradamus. You know, you know, I mean, it just, you, broken clocks, right, twice a day. You know, Herb, you yeah. know, I, I haven't had, I haven't had too many of these calls. Uh, blind squirrel finds a nut. <laughs> 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 uh, you know, I, I haven't had too many calls like this, so I'll, I'll take them where I can. But uh, Jose Abreu, again, I'm not going to doubt him. I, I know that Matt Zawaski said I'm an, the notable Jose Abreu hater. hater. But yes, you are. I, I love him. I love Pito. He's been great for the White Sox, playing in every single game. It's just a rough spot, all right? We're going to see another homer tomorrow against Kyle Freeland. I'm just not betting uh, that one because uh, my luck is, isn't that good.
2: Abreu's good for your pocketbook, too. Well, right? That's nice. Turning, what, 10 to
1: 50? Yeah, and I did that before in the uh, Kyle Hendricks uh, game. Uh, I did yeah, that a little right. bit you've earlier. you've gotten rich on him twice so now. So I've bet on Abreu hitting a home run twice, and I'm two for two. Hey, man,
2: keep on going. Hey. You say he's going to hit one tomorrow. Might as well. Yeah. Mm. We'll see. We'll see how I feel. Put that same money down. We'll see how I feel when I wake up tomorrow. Put that same 50 down. Uh, You can make that 50 into like, what, 150? I could, and I could also turn it into dust. That's fine. You, You never had it in your hand it's true
1: um but the white Sox uh looked great tonight uh also the bullpen looked fantastic as mm. well um right now the lopez looked good jimmy lambert a little bit rocky but got the job done uh condo graveman looked fantastic and, and liam hendricks uh, also got the do- job done uh great all-around uh bullpen pitching uh Kopech was iffy but uh, i'll talk on the bullpen first just because it was a big positive
2: yeah the bullpen covering four innings we knew that Kopech was probably going to be pulled early. We wanted five innings out of him, less than one earned for me, one earned or less, and he gave up two on that home run by trail. but I thought he looked fine. I thought the guy was uh, composed for the most part, not walking a ton of people, and got this fastball up to, what, 96 miles per hour? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was decent. I mean, he's just working his way back. This is a second start back from the I.L., so I'll take – what he gave the White Sox, I knew he wasn't going to give him a lot. But as our guy Stephen uh, Nicholas, the producer of the show, said, he needs to learn how to what Dylan Cease has done early in the year. He wasn't going that far. Same thing with Dylan Cease. Dylan Cease has uh, earned more soft contact mm-hmm. and hitting the balls to his uh, defenders. Kopech needs to understand that. Stop going deep into counts, especially when you have to have. You know a pitch count today. You know I don't know if, how many pitches he threw, but I think it was somewhere in the 80s. Where 80. You know that you need to have a economy, and you need to know. Okay, I can't go three two with every guy. I can't go two two with every guy. It's gotta go. It's gotta go quicker. I gotta just throw the ball over the plate, and if they can hit my fastball, tip the cap.
1: Herb, I want to talk to you about the the panic as a producer. Where you think you have you something, call out like whether that? a piece of audio or maybe a graphic, and it's just not there, and you have the panic of like, oh man, I have these twenty seconds before the, the host is about to go there. I mean, we've been there, we've I been there. The,
2: I put the pregame one in. I should have had the post one. And
1: being in Studio B, it's such a tighter space. You saw we were in Studio A, a lot of space, a lot of walls. I mean, I heard Stephen Nicholas literally his his sigh of relief uh, <laughs> once he got that in there. So Stephen, let's go to the starting pitching graphic. I'm not calling you out. I just think it's funny really just this one we didn't need it right. at this point uh chad cool went six and one third innings uh three earned runs six hits allowed two walks five k's uh, michael kopech went five innings two earned runs three hits allowed no walks three k's uh, michael kopech had 80 pitches we did hear miguel cairo when they were out in seattle he would have about a, a pitch count of around 75 to 80 before they pulled them seemed like that was true tonight as well and then let's go to the uh velocity breakdown first so you mentioned 96, and, Stephen, you're usually in and out of you know doing these shows because you got other duties, other making graphics or setting up stuff like this. Um, and I remember you came in, I think, about at that first dip right there, um, and it was went down to 90, and you're like, ooh, he's at 90. And I was like, ah, it's the start of the inning. And I think he was just kind of iffy. Um, and I think that's just what we've seen. He's late in September. He's never thrown this many pitches. Um, one second. One <laughs> second. That's good. Uh, I I don't know where you're at. uh, If you still have the uh, starting, the pitching graphic from earlier today um, before the game, uh, the one that you accidentally put in, uh, not the one that has the the final lines, but we're looking at the innings pitched uh, for Kopech this year. um, And I mean, we, you know, his most he's thrown in the minor leagues was, I think, 135. Um, And right now, uh, before the game is at 114, you add five in, so he's at 119. So I think part of it is just working through that stamina, working through that that, that probably maybe that gas feeling he has, dealing with those injuries. Like, it's a a whole economy of injuries and issues he's going through. And the fact that he can still go five innings, three hits, do it with – kind of middle stuff because yep. it was good at sometimes and it was bad at sometimes and even Jason and uh, Gordon broke down the slider where he was getting good release points and he then at some points he was not he yeah. was getting on the side of it of the ball on, on times of the slider and then sometimes he was just not um, he was going to the curveball more I think just for the velocity difference to throw people off the slider and fastball so he worked well as a pitcher tonight I also also saw a couple change-ups I liked from him uh, he had one uh, early on in the game that was around 87 yeah uh, just below the strike zone it looked fantastic the, uh, the the batter didn't swing in it but I really do think that Kopech without his best stuff having kind of mid stuff tonight did a very good job of pitching and I, I think it was a, a nice performance for Kopech if he does this again I think that you know he'll be effective and you can continue to get the White Sox wins
2: yeah and you saw after one of the uh, innings where he threw a nasty as I thought a nasty curveball to end the inning to strike out a, a, a Rockies batter kind of goes off the mound kind of peeved at himself, it probably wasn't that curveball because the curveball had great depth. It went from 12 to 6, and you saw it went exactly where Yasmani wanted the ball to go. But it was probably the pitches before as you, um, Gordon Beckham and, uh, and Jason Benetti were breaking it down, they did show a uh, slider that was kind of high that the batter had missed, and then they showed when he actually executed the pitch, as you're saying, it went down low in the zone and below the zone, and so he was probably pissed that he still threw that pitch while it didn't get tagged, he still threw that pitch high and it not where he wanted it to go. So he's still working through these things where sometimes you don't have your best com- control of the pitch. You don't have the command and where you wouldn't want to put it. And so he's working through coming back off the I.L., uh, rattling through the dead arm period, the lactic acid that builds up, understanding that this is what he needs to do for the rest of his career. These are going to be the innings he'll be throwing the rest of his career because this is going to be the tired feeling he'll have at the end of the year so yeah the go five innings with the pitch count and all the stuff that was on the table he did a good job for himself
1: we got Vinny Duber joining us from Guaranteed Ray Field but let's first tell you about our friends over at Points Bet this football season Points Bet is bringing you a better way to bet live on games which means when you are watching on Thursday or maybe even Sunday or hey maybe I've heard Herb this is a rumor. Hmm? They play games on Monday what? as well, which means before or as long as it takes me to read this ad, you can place a live same game parlay, bet on the next drive to be a touchdown, and cash out your live second half over bet with points bet. You have access to more live football markets than ever before. You can build the live uh, the perfect live same game parlay by combining your favorite bets anytime during the game, including spreads, p- totals, player props, and more. And you can choose the outcome of the next drive and next points with points bets, lightning bet. So, whether you are on the move or on the couch, do it live on PointsBet. Download the PointsBet app today and use code CHGO when you sign up to get two risk free bets up to $2,000. And if you or somebody new who has a gambling problem and wants help, call in 100 Gamble for crisis counseling and referral services. I used PointsBet today to win $52 on Jose Abreu hitting a home run, and you can as well. So, use the best sports book out there in PointsBet. And we got to tell you also about the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets to sports, concerts, and shows. Not only do they have fantastic ticket prices and offers, um, you can get great day of deals on the GameTime app, but also they have fantastic customer service. Herb de- uh, dealt with them when he was down in Atlanta, yep. got tickets to see the Braves at Truist Field, and you know he saw better prices on a different app, reached out to him, and he got 110% of his money back. Um, so they got him the best deal, even though he already bought his tickets. So it was created by fans, for the fans. They're going to guarantee you the lowest price, and you won't find a better deal this season on White Sox tickets. But hey, the Bears are 1-0. Maybe you want to go see the Bears. You won't find better deals on the Bears. You are not limited to what you want to see. Maybe you want to go see Pavement, play at the Chicago Theater. I bet your ass it's on game time. All right, so go check out the hottest new ticketing site that makes it easier than ever to score the best deals on tickets, sports, concerts, and shows. If you love CHGO, then you love Game Time. The best way to support us is by buying your tickets through the link in the description. So if you're on YouTube or if you're on Spotify, click the description, click the link, and do- buy your tickets through the Game Time link. Join over 15 million people who have downloaded the Game Time app and score the best seats to all your favorite events. Let's head out to Guaranteed Rate Field and talk to the CHGO White Sox beat writer, Vinny Duber. You can follow him and his CHGO whites, uh, his CHGO shirt uh, on Twitter, at Vinny Duber. Uh, hi Vinny. Hey guys how are you tonight? No oh, we're good. Uh, White Sox winner. Uh, this is the 30th game where the White Sox have hit two or more home runs. Do you know what their record is?
0: Uh, I saw somebody tweeted and I think it's pretty good.
1: 25 and 5 uh, was the were the good uh, vibes good in the clubhouse uh, after their 25th win with uh, two homers or more.
0: Yes. Nice. Win. What, what was the, it like? I mean, always, was it EDM? The vibes are always, the vibes are always good when, when there's winning.
1: Yeah, it was some sort
0: of dance music. It was terrible.
1: But well, uh, um, some of the fans were <laughs> saying that, uh, you know, now that Tony's leaving, uh, there's more EDM uh, with the walk-up songs. So Tony was holding back the EDM uh, flavor uh, with Ugh. this team. Do you have a response? Thank you. Well, so my much.
0: response <laughs> is that the walk-up songs were all pretty bad when he was the manager, too. So I don't really think uh, there's been marked uh, uh, improvement or uh uh, you know, decline one way or the other. Andrew Vaughn's still got that horrible country song that he plays every time he walks up. Um, yeah, it's all pretty bad. AJ Pollock has that fake Fleetwood Mac song that he plays when he walks up. Um, I don't really think the only person who's had a good walk-up song all year was uh, Adam Hazley, and he's he's not walking up a lot.
2: No, <laughs> I was just wondering, uh, how does Kopech feel? Eighty pitches tonight. I know they had him on a on a count, but it seemed like you know. He felt like uh, some of his command and control might have been off because one of his innings he struck somebody out with a curveball and he kind of was like yelling at himself. Did he feel good about his outing?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think he was happy enough with the results, right? Only two runs uh, given up, so that's good. But uh, he said that they took advantage of, of some of his stuff being off a little bit uh, tonight. Uh, again, I, I didn't think it was that bad of an outing, but of course, I'm you know, you're know great on results uh, a lot of the time. Uh, and so, you know, uh, until he gets uh, kind of back to normal here, they're going to have him on account a little bit, but it's going to really be the same way they've treated him all year, which is they're going to be really focused on him and, and listen to him and see how he feels. And if they see him feeling good enough to take him off of a pitch count is next time out then they will uh and if they think that he is still kind of uh working his way back from that injured list stint then they're going to keep him on the count so that's what Miguel Cairo had to say after the game Uh, uh, anyway
1: and is the count still around 75 to 80 is that just why they pulled him was that you know he finished the the fifth inning at 80 and that was just around that pitch count that, that that they said uh in Seattle
0: yeah, so he hit seventy four, I think, in Seattle in mm-hmm. his first start off the IL, and uh, Miguel said tonight that it looked like he ran out of gas in that game a little bit. So I think they wanted to prevent that from happening. They wanted to get him out of there before he seemed too tired. So perhaps that pitch count went up, maybe you know, inside the the White Sox uh, offices or something like that. But they felt that you know getting to 75 maybe was was a bit of a chore for him in the first game out maybe don't push it so far to 85 or 90 and, and kind of get him out around the same the same number this time
1: you can read vinny's work at allchgo.com become a member there um, and that's where he referred to miguel Cairo's managerial ways as the Cairo way, um, I think you should patent that. Um, and you say uh, the White Sox uh, with Miguel Cairo are winners of 9 of 13, now 10 of 14 uh, in games they've played since La Russa made a sudden and unexpected uh, unexpected departure from the club. Uh, that's in your latest piece on allchgo.com. But uh, Herb was kind of like frustrated yeah. that you left in the fact that uh, Tony was pulled before that game. So it really shouldn't count that that's the first game that uh, Miguel Cairo managed. I should count towards Miguel Cairo. But then I saw that this quote came out, uh, the quote that you have here about how Miguel Cairo saw something in that loss and then had to say something. And, you know, the player's kind of saying it's the same thing that Tony's been saying, but it was a different tone. Can you kind of give us some uh, color to what uh, the guys were talking about with that specific instance there?
0: Yeah, well, we heard it described over the weekend, uh, you know, by USA Today's Bob Nightingale, who who was in Oakland and talked to to everybody in Oakland. It's kind of a fiery speech, and uh, what we heard from Liam Hendricks today was uh, basically the message was, uh, you know, if you're if you're in this thing, great, and if you're not, you can kind of get the hell out of here. You know, I, I think it was. Um, harshly more harshly delivered and 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 one thing that um miguel cairo was asked about was did you ever have a manager you know this guy played in the big leagues for for more than 15 years did you ever have a manager who who did this and did it work kind of thing and he went oh yeah all the time he goes i had a lot of managers and coaches who flipped out at times and it always works so that was interesting to hear. Of course, maybe it would, <laughs> you, he would have left that detail out, perhaps if the White Sox, uh, you know, went, uh, you know, five and five after that or something like that. Right. But uh, it seems to have worked. It's being credited by a lot of the guys as something that did really kind of, uh, you know, inject some life into this team. And again, I, I think uh, what I was saying all weekend, or, or basically ever since Tony's been out and they've been performing well, um, I think is true. I think there's a myriad reasons that they're. You know that they are uh, playing better, and I think, uh, though, that you can point now to Miguel Cairo, kind of, you know, being a different voice as 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 one of those things. And I even asked Racon today. I said, you know, is there just something to variety? Is there something to just hearing the same thing differently that could have worked for this? Uh, this team and he said yeah maybe um, he, he wanted to credit the whole coaching staff uh, Rick did and uh, you know certainly that's probably the case I would imagine for a first-time manager you know leaning on the other guys around you is definitely something that's gonna happen um, apparently Tony La Russa is one of those guys you know uh, we heard from Miguel that they've been talking a lot uh, that they have that he has been running you know when he's got maybe a very specific lineup question, you know, he was very, very uh, forceful in saying that he's the one who makes the lineups, uh, did Miguel. But when he's got a specific question, he goes to Tony with it. When he, uh, you know, whenever he talks to Tony, it's, you know, what could I have done better? What what would have maybe put us in a better position here and there? Uh, you know, Tony is a, is a wealth of uh, experience. Nobody can doubt that. And so uh, for a guy doing this for the first time, to hear from somebody with uh, that experience you know, resume on a regular basis uh, has to be helpful. Uh, very much the same talk from Miguel Cairo about Tony Larusa as we've heard from the players all year. Nothing but positive reviews. You know, and, and I think uh, you know he's even used the word mentor, the word father. Uh, you know, to, to describe what Tony means to him, and so uh, obviously great. Con- Great, great contrast there with the way people inside this White Sox clubhouse and inside this White Sox organization feel about Tony as opposed to what the fan base feels about Tony. Um, it's worth listening to when these guys say these things, I think, because it, it, it paints a fuller picture of, uh, of everything that's going on.
2: Last time uh, Kendall Graveman saw these Colorado Rockies, he was giving up three earned runs and a loss, a walk-off loss, to the Colorado Rockies feels good to have four innings of four strikeouts and only two hits by this bullpen to pick up all the innings they did today. What did they have to say, and what did uh, Miguel have to say about the good performance from the bullpen?
0: I mean, they were fantastic. Not much more you could say other than they were great. Uh, Michael Kopek had a lot of good stuff to say, obviously, after they, as you mentioned, kind of picked him up a bit after he was only able to go five, whether through his uh, his own ability or just you know the way the team wanted to handle it tonight. But um, you're seeing what that late-inning group is, right? I mean Jimmy Lambert, Reynaldo Lopez, Kendall Graveman, Liam Hendricks, that's that's the four right now for the yep. White Sox when they need to lock down a tight game. And man, you couldn't have predicted that when the season started. Obviously, those two guys at the very back were are, are filling the roles that they were supposed to, but Jimmy Lambert and uh, Reynaldo Lopez have just been consistently reliable guys and uh, that is a great weapon to have as you move into the postseason when, you know, the the guys that maybe aren't in those roles right now, aren't going anywhere. You know, Aaron Bummer's still going to be in the bullpen if, if the White Sox make the playoffs. Joe Kelly, still going to be in the bullpen if the White Sox make the playoffs. And if those guys can rediscover even a little bit of the magic that has made them effective late-inning guys in the past, suddenly you've got this gigantic group of relievers that you can return to or that you can turn to if you're either Miguel Cairo or Tony LaRusso, whoever happens to be managing the team in such a situation. But, uh, you know, those two guys, Lambert and Lopez, uh, have have just been fantastic this season. And to be able to pair those two kind of of out-of-nowhere guys with the two guys who you're paying to do that job at the end, uh, that's that's huge for this team.
1: And um, you talked to Liam today. Uh, What was the vibe that you got from him? Obviously, you talked to him more pregame than postgame, but he had another – Great outing tonight today. Um, he's just been so fantastic as a White Sox, uh, in general. Um, what was his vibe today, and and um, what's he been like uh, throughout this entire season? Yeah, Liam Hendricks kind of always
0: has the same vibe. Uh, he, you know, he speaks honestly about whether that's about himself or whether that's about the team and the state of the team. He's been a guy who's been beating the drum all year of you know we need to find the energy, we need to. Figure this out. We need to, you know, he, he has been very forthright that things were amiss uh, for most of the the season here. And uh, I think the way he's describing it now that they have kind of rediscovered that attitude and that swagger that Rick Khan talked about after the trade deadline, uh, he's kind of been able to talk through the process, has Liam, you know, about. You can't manufacture this. It can't be. It can't be fake. It has to be organic. It it, it might take something like a Miguel Cairo stepping up and, and firing everybody up. It more so takes playing better baseball and actually hitting the ball and actually scoring runs. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you're seeing that from these White Sox right now, and uh, I don't think anybody can doubt that this is a different looking team than it was even three weeks ago, uh, certainly, than it was for the majority of this season. And because of the circumstances of their division, uh, it's, 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 it's not the end of the world that they waited till the uh, very last month of the regular season to kind of find themselves here, and they're right in the thick of this race.
2: You and the assembled media spoke to Rick Hahn before the game. What do you have to say about the latest on Tony La health? Yeah, not really much
0: that he could add, to be honest, it was more so just here, you're finally hearing from the general manager of the team about whether, uh, or about just what this situation is like. And it sounds like the White Sox are going to fully and totally listen to Tony's doctors and medical experts, uh, as well as Tony, about how he feels and whether he's able to, at any point this year, uh, come back to the dugout and return as the team's manager. Right now, it is uncertain when or if that would happen. Uh, You know what I mean? They're just kind of, Making sure that he makes the full medical recovery first, and and some of the some of the comments were even you know very interesting in terms of he he really I mean you know Rickon's never a guy that puts the cart before the horse, and it it really seems to be that they are waiting till the health portion of this is fully resolved until they move on to the next step, which would be does he manage again you know for the team this year. Um, that all has to wait to be seen, and, and that is not something that they can really decide on right now. There was one question he was asked, which had a very interesting answer that I'm sure fans will love to hear and freak out about, but uh, the question was, are the medical uh, situations and the way Tony's feeling the only factors in that decision, in the decision of whether he comes back to manage the team this year, and Rick started that off by saying, it's a conversation that will have to be had at that point. We have not reached that point yet. And maybe that's a. and again, Sean, you're smiling. I know. Everybody's I, gonna I'm everybody's, for a gonna, hear everybody's no, I'm, gonna hear that. Everybody's gonna hear that and it's gonna be a thing. But and it should be because it was an interesting answer. But real my quick, point I, being
1: I smiled for a different reason. Uh, Steve, I sent Stephen a graphic request for something I want to do with you after <laughs> this answer. So I, t- I already, in the I comments, got it, Sean. I, I, sensed, got it. I sent him there it the is, graphic and it's
0: been posted. Wonderful. That's um, all. yeah. No, it's no, all, uh, no. Uh, Listen, I mentioned that because reason. I think I mentioned that because I think people are going to want to hear it. They deserve to hear mm-hmm. it because it, it was interesting. It caught my ear certainly when he said that. Um, what I would caution about when you when you hear that quote is Rick Hunt could be talking about the fact that they don't know if they're ever going to get to that point you know what i mean and and it's it's very possible that they the white Sox never have to make an a baseball related decision because there's never going to be a point where they get the medical clearance but the point is that they don't know right now and so i think they don't want to talk about a hypothetical that isn't that might not happen until they have all the information to make that decision
1: well and i don't know what you make of this but like when tony was talking in oakland uh, before Dave Stewart's retire, uh, jersey retirement ceremony. I mean, he kind of was saying, like, if the clubhouse wants me back, do you think that's a part of it at all? Like, if 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 Tony's kind of vibe on that of if, if the clubhouse doesn't want him, that he might not want to be back, like, is that part of that conversation as well? Or do you think it's strictly medical?
0: I think that is a Tony La Russa cliche. Um, and I say that because Tony La Russa was asked when they were eliminated from the playoffs last year by yep. Houston, are you coming back next year? And that was his answer um and i mean they had just won the division they had just made the you know won the division for the first time in over a dozen years as you know the the tony La Russa job status part was not um it was a very different situation at that point because it was not necessarily all the fans want him to be fired like it is right now it was did he come here to win the world series in one season and is he going to continue you know what i mean it was very much Nobody knew whether this was a long-haul thing for him, um, and it turned out he, he did come back, and that's fine. And, and certainly when we asked people about that quote, I mean, and by people I mean guys on the team, they were all very supportive of him coming back, as you would expect from everything that the players have said about him up to this point. So I think that the, the first thing that I think about when I hear that is that that is a Tony La Russa-ism, um, and, and he probably just said that because it's what he's always said. Makes sense.
1: Um, with Rick Hahn, uh, speaking today, I know you did get updates on Tim Anderson and, uh, did he speak about Luis Roberts wrist? Uh, I guess, uh, maybe a- about Luis Roberts wrist first, just because we saw Luis, uh, return to the lineup today, uh, no hits for Luis, but he did seem to have his healthier swings or most healthy swings, uh, maybe since late August, which is a good sign. So, uh, did Rick provide any update on Luis, um, and the final update on, uh, maybe if Tim Anderson, uh, if there's any update on T.A.
0: So T.A. has been cleared to get back to to the last baseball-related things that he needs to do in order to get back. The big thing is swinging. That should be no surprise. And I think White Sox fans are now familiar with maybe how difficult it is to swing with an injured uh, hand, finger, whatever, um, because of the way they've watched Luis Robert over the last few weeks. Um, Tim Anderson obviously had the surgically repaired uh, tendon in his finger. Um, And I think, as Miguel Cairo said, that is going to make it a little bit easier. It's not this ongoing thing. It's its a healed surgery, you know, that, that has happened here. So, But what Rick cautioned about, um, particularly what people want to know when it comes to what are they going to do with both T.A. and Elvis Andrews, um, is that after being away for six or six-plus weeks, is T.A. going to play every single day? You know, it, it, he might not. Uh, that might just be the reality because he might not be up to, up to doing that after missing so much time. And so that might be the way that the White Sox kind of get ta and elvis in there both at the same time now don't you know uh, that's not to, to to cause any sort of panic that they would never play on the same infield they very well could but um and 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 you know miguel was asked about that and he was like yeah of course we have to find a way to keep elvis in the lineup so you know like very obvious that's the case so um but yeah ta is is moving on to the next step and he's ramping up to coming back um as for luis Robert, uh basically the only update that was given because here Luis was in the lineup tonight the only update that was given from Rick was why they didn't put him on the injured list and basically they said there was never a time where the diagnosis was he was going to miss 10 games or more um at least not even from you know at least from the standpoint of he could still help them as we saw him do as a pinch runner and defensive replacement that kind of thing so um Luis Robert was back tonight He struck out a few times. He, uh, I don't know if he necessarily looked like Luis Robert, but he didn't look like the guy who was swinging with one hand, uh, you know, uh, uh, in recent weeks.
2: And Vinny, last thing I got for you. I want to know if uh, Tony appeared in the clubhouse. You guys saw Tony today. We did not.
0: Um, He was, uh, Miguel told us he was in the manager's office and talking with the coaches like it was kind of a a, a normal day, you know, in terms of pregame conversation and that thing. Uh, I I heard that he, you know, greeted all the players when he was in Oakland. So they saw him recently enough. I don't know if he needed to come by two days later. I I, remember supposedly he was on the flight with them back from Oakland, so I don't know if he needed to go around and greet everyone again or anything like that. But um, he was uh, with the coaching staff uh, today, and, and then he watched the game uh, from a sweep.
1: Cool. Is he going to travel with the team? Was that update given? It was not. That
0: question was asked, but uh, that update was not given. No.
1: What did they say about if he L- traveling? Miguel did not know. Okay, but Rick yeah. wasn't asked? No. Okay, all right. Do you think he
0: will? Maybe. He's been on a plane a few times uh, in recent uh, in recent days, right? He had to fly from Phoenix to Oakland. He flew from Oakland to Chicago. Those are not, you know, the easiest flights long, in the world. Yes. So, yeah.
1: Well, we were talking on the, the, the pregame show about, like, what could possibly be holding him back from being medically cleared. And I was just thinking, like, well, even just traveling might be a lot for him. So then you'll add on working and managing those games. So I wonder if traveling is enough and maybe that's light enough for him to do, but then adding the stressor of managing and working on top of that from day to day, maybe that's just the, 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 what's holding him back from returning to the lineup. I uh, just trying to figure out many, some stuff, if he's going to be coming back or not. All right. I want to go into, since you mentioned, uh, not that one, we'll skip the Diane Vissieto stuff. Uh, you mentioned, uh, Miguel Cairo, uh, cause that's not Diane Vissieto. Uh, I hate to break it to you, Vinny. Um, what? But- What? I'm shocked. Uh, You mentioned Miguel Cairo uh, pulling from his uh, managerial index on his uh, rants. So here are Miguel Cairo's managers. And I want you guys to let me know who probably uh, Miguel Cairo pulled from the most. Uh, He was managed by Cito Gaston uh, on the 96 Blue Jays, 97 Cubs by Jim Riggleman uh, from 98 to 2000 on the Rays by Larry Rothschild, uh, 2001 by Don Baylor, 2001 to 2003, Tony La Russa on the Cardinals, 2004 to 2007, seven, Joe Torre on the Yankees. 2007, another reunion with Tony La Russa uh, and the Cardinals. In 2008, John McLaren and Jim, Jim Riggleman, so reuniting with his uh, old manager from 1997. Uh, 2009, Charlie Manuel in Philadelphia, and then ended his career uh, from 2010 to 2012 on the Reds with Dusty Baker. So who do you think he's probably pulling from most in maybe a uh, a tirade uh, in some sort?
2: Well, I always think about when people talk about Lovey Smith and how he never cussed. He would keep a calm demeanor. But then sometimes when the team would mess up, he would come in, and mf not MF, but he would throw things and get his voice would get loud. That has more of an effect because of a calm demeanor saying it. You're not always yelling. When you're always yelling, they could just tune that out. And so him doing that yelling to the players, it might have been different from what the players like. Oh, wait, oh, hey, Miguel, what? Come on. And so I'm thinking a guy, a calm guy you see on there is Cito Gaston. Um, a guy that just keeps his cool, his steely reserve about himself for the most part when you saw him managing for the Blue Jays. It's easy because they're great. But him or Jim Riggleman, guys that you see in the public eye, they're just relaxed, calm. And then once they yell, you're like, oh, man, I got to listen because, you know, Riggs is talking some stuff now. Vinny? A
1: lot of, lot of
0: old guys on that list, huh? Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, you got, you, got, you got Tony, you got Joe Torrey, Charlie Manuel, Dusty, that's a uh, that's Cito a, was
1: old, right? And Larry, I mean, and, and certainly Jim
0: old. Riggleman by 2008. Uh, you know, that's uh, yeah. that's Don yeah. Baylor. But
2: yeah,
0: I would venture to guess that uh, there were probably a number of those guys who were uh, who were who would fall into that category. Uh, Charlie them? Charlie Manuel seems to me like a guy who could who could lose it a bit in the clubhouse. Um, that 9 Phillies team made the World Series, right? Lost to the Yankees. Yep. But uh, but yeah, I'm, I'll go ahead and go with uh, Charlie Manuel as someone who could have like whipped up some sort of like, you know, Yosemite Sam style rant or something
1: <laughs> like that. Um, yeah, I think if I'm going to take a bet, I think I might actually go with Dusty. Uh, Dusty kind of gives that same like it, it seems like he has a good energy to himself. <laughs> uh, Dusty Baker does. And Miguel Cairo seems to be a pretty uh, genial guy. Um, so maybe they're real genial in the media and they're trying to keep it light because they're former players um, but then they really know how to go on that rant when they need to Um, it really does feel like kind of like a good cop bad cop situation with Tony La and Miguel Cairo though Um, I did like uh, Josh Harrison's uh, remark on how it was like it was and I think you know Liam basically said the same thing it's it was the same rant uh, that we've heard before but it was just a different tone and that's maybe why it got got to us Um, and again you know maybe that's again just they're just saying that because it won they won um, and and they they have been winning but uh, you know They have been doing that, and they haven't been doing that all season. So we'll take it whenever they can, uh, and if it's because of a a tirade or not. Uh, But thank you, Vinny, for joining us. Uh, Final thing, uh, Miguel Cairo mentioned Lance Lynn might be starting on Thursday. Can you confirm that?
0: I cannot confirm that. We're we're supposed to hear from the Sox at some point about what the details on that are. Uh, He seemed rather foggy on whether that would be the case or not, did Miguel? So um, perhaps Perhaps it will be Lance Lynn on Thursday. Uh, we when we when we know for sure from the team, we'll uh, we'll tweet it out.
1: Sounds good. Um, I, I'm for them moving Lance Lynn. I know that you said uh, all all the wins matter, but uh, hey, if they could sweep the Guardians, I think that'd be a whole lot better than just beating the the Rockies and Padres in, in, in four games. But uh, we'll see what happens uh, with the White Sox uh, uh, rotation. But we'll talk to you tomorrow uh, when the Sox and Rockies play in an afternoon slate. Sounds good, guys. Take it easy. All right, you can follow Vinny on Twitter at Vinny Duber. He's our CHGO White Sox beat writer, um, and he has a very recent article that just dropped today about Tony La Russa and Miguel Cairo. A lot of the stuff that we talked about is in there with some more full quotes and uh, and the full picture in there. So Vinny does some great work on allchgo.com, and you should go over there, sign up, and become a member uh, because we got some fantastic coverage on that website. Also, since it is the best coverage for your favorite sports teams, uh, we already got you covered on that. You got to get fitted out in the best sports gear around foco has you covered from soldier field not for long uh, to the front room north or south side with hoodies slippers signs bobbleheads and everything in between get decked out like damar with apparel from the leaders in sports merch and collectibles foco if you're looking for the perfect gift for the football fan in your life uh, if foco's got you covered with hoodies to fight that lake michigan Breeze. Check out Foco.com or click the link in the description below to check out all they have to offer. And for all non-presale items, use the promo code CHGO for 10% off. Again, go to Foco, F-O-C-O.com or click the link in the description below to check out what they have to offer. And for all non-presale pre items, use promo code CHGO for 10% off. I know uh, we got a lot of bobbleheads out there. I saw some Justin Fields ones. I think they yep. bought that one from Foco. That one's real nice. They got some White Sox ones uh, for you City Connect fans. There's a Dallas Keuchel Gold Glove one out there. So awesome. definitely... Uh, Check out the great bobbleheads that they have at FOCO.com. And I want to tell you people, too, about our Bears tailgate. It's the first ever official CHGO Bears tailgate ahead of the Bears-Texans game on Sunday, September 25th. The four-hour pregame party begins at 8 a.m. and goes all the way to kickoff. Our all inclusive tailgate experience at the corner of Michigan and Roosevelt will feature a top rated food truck, brews and booze, games and music from a local DJ for only $34, my friend bears and bears. the lot is less than 15 minute uh less than a 15 minute walk to Soldier Field through Grant Park. Limited parking upgrades are also available but are going fast. So if you want to bear down at the biggest and best party in the Windy City, go to allchgo.com to reserve your spot now or click the link in the description below for more info and it's 34 dollars again. Of course because bears
2: bears yeah, should I'm I'm going to be there. Speaking of lovey Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Love. He's coming back to Soldier's Field. It's going to be good times. We're going to have a good drinking slash eating experience. Sean might be there. I don't know. It's going to be an enjoyable time. How'd you guys meet us there? Yeah, meet us there and, uh, and come
1: check us out. I mean, it's it's basically, you know, we're trying to throw the best party for y'all. We're just trying to have the best Bears party, and that's all we're trying to do here at CHGL. For having the best White Sox party, we're gonna try to have the best White Sox party. If we're gonna try to, you know, we're gonna try to make it the best fan it was, experience. It was for you good. Guys.
2: Our White Sox tailgate was awesome. We enjoyed it thoroughly. The game sucked, but the pregame and tailgate and all the good people out there joining us, man, mercy. I will tell you what, game sucked. Good be, times. Game. I'm sure they had one. I'm I missed it that day. They had one for the Red Stars in the fire down here at Soldier Field. Saw a lot of people out there for that, but this seems like the biggest one. Like on Michigan and Roosevelt, food truck and drinks, $34. It's a steal. Right. And hey, uh, shout out to PJO336 uh,
1: in the chat here. Um, I, I haven't seen this name too much, but wouldn't have made it through the season without this podcast. Thanks, guys. Uh, really appreciate PJO336 for uh, saying that. Uh, I saw that we had like 76 ratings on Spotify and the rating was like 4.9. Uh, so, so all the people supporting us, uh, whether you're liking this video, liking uh, the stuff on Spotify or iTunes, uh, we or I guess iTunes, Apple Podcasts, uh, if you're you know, supporting us in any single way. uh, We really do appreciate it. And we want to see your faces too. Um, So if you want to come out and see the people from CHGO bears, I'm going to try to make it out there on the 25th. I know Herb will probably try to make it out there. Um, You know, come out and see
2: us and uh, you know, make some friends because we're, we're friendly people. I'll be out there. As I said, the last podcast, there's a gentleman, a great gentleman that came up to me and said, he wanted to challenge me in chugging a beer. He did. He lost because you know, I'm the best. If you also want to go against the best, maybe I'll indulge you that day. We'll see how many people challenge me. I got to still do this show later on that day. I think the White Sox played like the Detroit Tigers that day at home. So I got to come back here do the pregame and then the post game, so I can only do a couple chugs. So come on through, and I can beat you in those. Shirek Bobby was saying, well, you guys have a post and pregame the ga-
1: uh, versus the Tigers on the day of the tailgate. Yes, uh, maybe not a pregame uh, if Herb's going to be out at the at the tailgate uh, until twelve. Somebody's got to drive me to the studios. at, at twelve thirty. Uh, right? Hey, maybe maybe I'll do a solo show. Uh, <laughs> they gave they gave me the studio space. All right, uh, let's wrap this up by talking about the Lance Lynn stuff. I thought Vinny was going to give us a, a nice little talking point there with Lance Lynn, but. I guess Lance Lynn is not confirmed for the starter on Thursday. So would they be making a mistake uh, by having Dylan Cease pitch tomorrow, then Giolito on Thursday, and then Lance Lynn on Friday? What should the White Sox do with the rotation?
2: It's an important game on Thursday. And yes, you could say all of them are important, but we made the point already. The game on Thursday is more important than the games that surround it. This is the game the White Sox need. They have to have it to... Further, their chances to win this division, further their chances to win the season series versus the Cleveland Guardians. So, whoever, you don't want your worst pitcher on the bump, and that will be Lucas Giolito. Mm-hmm. And I know he's been LG LG a couple times. I think even including this year, he's been LG LG. But you don't want to roll dice with him on the bump versus those Cleveland Guardians who have been hot in the afternoon and all that stuff. If you can push. Dylan Cease back, which didn't seem like they're going to do. It's going to pitch later on on Wednesday afternoon. You need to go and have a better pitcher. If Lance is fine and he's got enough rest because of the off day on Monday, I'm good with it. And then have Lucas pitch on Friday versus Detroit, a team that he can much more handle. And he pitched for them in the opening game well, of the and season. He's got good career numbers against them, too. Exactly. And so I want the best pitcher available to pitch for the White Sox since it won't be Dylan Cease. Give me Lance Lynn Yeah. If they go down to Cleveland on Thursday, at least you went down with your best available pitching that day. I agree. I mean
1: the fact that Dylan might be getting five starts to end the season if you go, you know, move him to the Thursday and he only gets four star, uh, starts the rest of the season. I'd rather take five starts from Dylan Cease. And I do trust Lance Lynn enough to do that game on Thursday. So I think they'd be making a mistake uh, if they don't go to Lance Lynn on that Thursday game. I uh, do just appreciate everyone for hanging out with us tonight. White Sox win 4-2. to two. Um, White Sox Tom saying, guys, do a watch-along for uh, Thursday. I think Steven uh, Lawrence mentioned that we might not even have a camera for our pregame show. Yeah, there is uh, a chance of that uh, on they, Thursday. they do need the so, extra
0: camera for the CHGO podcast. I don't,
1: I don't know if Thursday is
2: going to be the best. Do we have a day like, to do a watch along? We're just doing a, a, a audio only pre- they, pregame. No,
1: they do all the the CHGO, sh- uh, yeah, like the, extra stuff with yeah. like you know, Casey has her own camera, Luke has his own camera, Kevin has his own camera. Um, so like they just so this camera will be gone. That camera will be yeah, gone. Yeah, they pull this one into Studio A. So we'll we'll figure it out. But uh, I don't know if we're going to be doing Thursday. Uh, but we'll definitely make up that live watch along. Guys, uh, game to you guys. Maybe we'll do that on the uh, the twentieth or twenty first or twenty second. Um, and as, since Alex Rude is back. Uh, we'll leave. Uh, we're going to wrap up the <laughs> show. Uh, White Sox win 4-2. to We'll talk to you tomorrow on the pregame show. It's going to start at 1230, and we will uh, do a postgame show and wrap up the series with you after the game. That's Herb Lawrence. You can follow him on Twitter at Eckenwell23. I'm Sean Anderson. You can follow me on Twitter at Sean underscore W underscore Anderson. Thank you to Steven Nicholas for producing the show and for Vinny Duber for joining us from Guaranteed Ray Field. You can follow Vinny Duber at Vinny Duber on Twitter. And again, he uh, has a brand new article out at AllCHGO, so go check that out on our fantastic, fantastic website. We will talk to you tomorrow at 1230 for the CHGO White Sox pregame show. Thank you to Fleetwood Mac for their 1879 album, Tusk. Good night and go White Sox.